recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Shifted Colton Collective Podcast. It is now an hour earlier or later, depending on your view of things. Uh, yes, uh, we caught everybody napping, including Mr. Dave AC, who's just fully yeah. done his tea. Hey, it's fine. Uh, tea, or as I told uh, Mike, your I'll entry is to... not valid, or your call is not scheduled at this time. Hello? Did you hear that? Anybody? Thank you, Pie. Yeah, yeah, we all heard that. Where are shows going we, on? We, we don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're it's, canceling it's the Parallel out. Universe show. <laughs> Our show's been cancelled. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, so you were saying, Dave, oh, before that lady so rudely interrupted uh, us. Another faultless, uh, professionally recorded podcast uh, <laughs> is in store. Some week, not tonight. Um, <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, uh, I was mentioning to Mike. Um, it was a class thing. The word between uh, dinner and supper in the UK. Hello. Sorry. What? My bad. <laughs> what? You are making a personal recording, right? Yes. Dave is making a personal recording. I was about to say it's earlier, not. Not later, Ian. It's later when you're meant to fall asleep and make mistakes. <laughs> I was trying to, far, I was trying to type in line. one window, but I was still in another, and so it... Uh, I just love that music so much, I want to play it again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving, swift, moving swiftly on, I think we should intro the room before Let's things get out of it. hand. All right. <laughs> Joining us on the Colson Collective today is Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Hello, Benjamin. Ass. Ah. <laughs> ah. Get it together, folks. Get it together. Uh, also uh, joining us. There's just a reference to the mastermind appearance. Luke Thompson, how many times I said pass. It's a topical joke if you've actually listened to this minute Doctor Who podcast. Mm. Okay. Ian, what's happening? Have we lost Ian? <laughs> oh, this show's falling apart around our ears. <laughs> so, okay. uh, join us next week for... Another exciting and informative episode of the Yeah, Colton let's go to Mike. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Nice to have you on the show. I am so honoured to be here live. Yes, hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if you just uh, listen, Mike, you might pick up some hints and tips of how to run a show. Best show. <laughs> or how not to run a show. <laughs> oh, you're back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. Uh, hello. Back too. Joining us is me. <laughs> He'd like oh. to make the grand entrance. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us live from S 
six. Romana two. Hello. Has everybody heard that? <laughs> well, I thought we were going to lose the time delay when she came into the UK. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wishing I was at Time Quest today, but what can I do? <laughs> oh, All right, moving swiftly on with Paul again. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly onwards, it's Rowan. Hello, Helen. Yay, war. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sound effect in there, you know? It's like. This never happens when I run the show, you know? Of course not, no. <laughs> Speak your brains, Tim Jury. Oh, yes, listen, I'm still in one piece and awake. And definitely in one piece, despite having to watch Eric Roberts say I always dress for the occasion <laughs> yesterday when I was compiling clips for my Eighth Doctor podcast. Available now, I'll put the link in chat. Best ever. Plug, plug, plug. Oh, you don't want to hear what I said about That's him on the show then. <laughs> I just That's realized. all I could think about at the end of time. I always dress for the occasion. <laughs> you, you know, Ian, I realise what it is. Uh, it's Cowley T. She's wrecked on that soup. Yes, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was me that Speaking was just having kitchen trouble today. Like I went downstairs a few minutes ago and there was this smell of burning. Apparently something had been left in the toaster. It's the show. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of her, her holiness, <laughs> it's the ninja girl herself. Howie T. Hello, Howie. If you never, if you ever need a soup taken out, she's your gal. It's definitely dead now. Ninja lumpy. Ninja girl. She relates right. to my ninja cat. There you go. Yeah, well, she's got ninja something else, but we'll talk about that later when the recording's off. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, and Dave, if you would in, uh, un- unmute our final audio guest. There we are. Hello, Charlie P79. Oh, <laughs> uh, hello. Speak your brains. <laughs> I've been trying to. Yep. So the sound keeps going out. All right. Let's hope this is working. Could you please lower the cone of silence, Dave? Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? 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 An improved one. Yes. <laughs> oh, the cut-down version. Yeah. What is this, Doctor Who? We cut things out. Uh, <laughs> and do you okay. think this show should be the one we put forward for the DVD? Yeah, that's, I that's think the not. one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, could you could you please check yeah. out the audio of Mr. Skeptical? <laughs> I, I don't think he liked the cone. <laughs> Darth, come in, sir. Do I hear the sound of drums? Where are we going to? Just the sound of a drink being put down. <laughs> nope. Well, hey, no, just let's go again. He says I just lost. We're audio here all week, folks. Or at least we'll be at this rate. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> under the uh, well, well repaired by Mr. Benjamin Elliott, cone of silence. If you were listening to our previous studio show, it is Ninja Man Six and Cybob. No, oh, nothing on your shoe today. Good lad. And also <laughs> guest six and guest seven. Really, a hat in this weather? I don't think so. But anyway, moving on. It's news time. A different monkey. Might be monkey. Yeah, it's an overdrive. (laughs) Well, last time we had a typing Tim. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Opening our news as usual. The man who knows what's going on in Doctor Who everywhere. I would hide if I were you, Matt Smith. He probably knows when you go to the bathroom. It's Mr. Benjamin Elliott. <laughs> okay. Well, it's oh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Continue on, sir. Okay. I think the networks are starting to compete with each other. The preen to say, we can do the best Doctor Who premiere job. So I'll just take two right now because someone else wants to mention the third. In the U.S., BBC America is not only having the Doctor Who premiere, which has a time, 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, April 17th, but they have an exclusive to the U.S. one-hour documentary beforehand called Who is Doctor? But wait, there's more. They're going to have an all-day Doctor Who marathon beforehand. But wait, there's less commercials. They plan to air the season premiere with limited commercial interruptions in a 67-minute time slot. If the episode is still 65 minutes as advertised, that would only give them two minutes for ads. It'd be like there are BBC America On Demand showings, which are really good, much better than the TV broadcasts. And Unless you're watching Caprica. Well, the Caprica, well, BBC America On Demand has fewer <laughs> commercials than Sci-Fi On Demand. Or <laughs> yeah. But the um, also BBC America is planning to make changes to their channel on April 26. They're adding a West Coast feed, which will make them like most major popular U.S. cable networks. The result <laughs> is, if you live in Eastern Time Zone, the Central Time Zone, or have DirecTV or Dish Network, forget it. Forget what I just said. It won't matter to you. No change. If you live in Mountain Time Zone, Pacific Time Zone, Alaska, or Darf's hometown, uh, home, <laughs> Hawaii. Then the hometown of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Don't belittle the dog. If you cable in those areas, you'll be on the, the West Coast feed. Everything shifts three hours later than you used to. If you have satellite, it stays where it is. That's all. The, that's how you can tell the difference between the East Coast feed and the West Coast feed. And the UK. While it's not considered official yet, there's a page on the BBC website with program information for the London area, which is now claiming a 60-minute premiere of the 11th hour on Saturday, April 3rd at 6.25 p.m. It also says that this information is tentative and subject to change. And it listed as Series 5, Episode 1. Hmm. For whatever well, that's for. Series Bernard, you mean? <laughs> I think I need to explain him more than that. I mean, is it when Mickey Mouse's hand gets to 12? 
And of course, first, uh, I moonlighted. I did someone else's podcast. I'm the guest on the newest minute Doctor Who podcast for the uh, fourth person to compete in the Mastermind competition. And while I can't reveal my actual stories and how I performed against Tony Galshon, Stephen Radio Free Scarl Schapansky, and Eric Bridging the Rift, I can say I got more points than zero, and I got at least one question wrong. Blimey. Hey, and we'll have to treat him better. Throw him another now, fish quick. Now, this needs some explanation, though, because Benjamin would have uh, actually trounced everybody in the... Uh, <laughs> in your special field, correct? Well, first off, my field of expertise is in Doctor Who scheduling. Yes. And in six months, he wasn't able to... He spent six months trying to put together questions on that. That didn't work. So we had to come up with an alternate field. So we did Series 17, because Series 17 is grossly maligned. It's much better than people think it is, and it deserved the love of being involved in a quiz competition. So I brought in someone for Series 17 to show some love. I was also feeling rather sick and poorly and struggling and uh, hadn't gotten around to reviewing quizzes. Now the excuses come out. (laughs) (laughs) You're starting to sound like Dave. I had fun. I had fun, and that's what matters. (laughs) Hey, look, he's halfway to another show. Be careful, Ian. You're very welcome here, Benjamin. (laughs) I hang on your every word. (laughs) (sighs) But I think since there's a country I left out, for continuity, you might want to go to Ramana next. Okay. <laughs> On that, since we want to keep him on the show, Ramana. Well, this is weird, me talking about Australian broadcasting news, considering I'm going to miss it. But um, um, for once, Australia is not waiting three months for Doctor Who. Um, according to the Gallifrey based news page they have said that um the eleventh hour, the first episode of series five, series one or series thirty one, is going to broadcast on Sunday the eighteenth April, um, at seven thirty. Um and it will be available actually before that on their iView service, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation's iView service, which is like the BBC iPlayer, it's available on their website. Um, and that will be available from 12 a.m. on the Saturday of the 17th of April. So it's only really showing about a week and a bit after the year, which is absolutely phenomenal for an Australian broadcast of anything. Um, so I'm just kind of glad I'm in the UK to see it when it comes out, but at the same time I'm a little bit sad not to see it in Australia with such, you know, it's finally getting appreciated by the looks of it, which is... Right. So yeah, so that's my bit of news. Is um really Australian TV is getting it early for once. Huzzah. Very rare that that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Alrighty, let's see if this works now. Are your drums ready, sir? Mr. Darth Skeptical, come in with news. The drums are dead. I don't know. I don't think I'll ever be able to connect on Gizmo again at this rate. <laughs> so, no more sounds have, for me. Have you tried SJ Phone, sir? I am on SJ Phone, but SJ Phone doesn't allow any kind of... Well, unless you complicate things, it doesn't allow for transmission of sound. I mean, uh, it, w- it would if I had, you know, some other stuff, but that's just too much trouble. Yeah. 
well, I don't know if that's in Mac programming. But anyway, hello. Uh, just one little bit of news, and that is, uh, if you have missed it, there is a new trailer out for Tron Legacy. And if you have not seen it, you must see it. It's currently available on, uh, you know, uh, apple.com backslash trailers. Um, just extraordinary work. So that's all I'll say. Came out this Loving last week. Loving it. Loving it. To see. <laughs> yes, I even brought my... I, 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 as soon as I saw it up, I uh, yelled for my son across the house. Come here quickly, because we do like to uh, sit down and watch Tron every now and then. So very happy, very happy. Yeah, Especially since since uh, Bruce Boxleitner still looks awesome. Indeed. Yes. I hope he's in it more than just the opening, though. Uh, you know, I mean, as long as I get the newly anointed Academy Award winner showing up, that's all I really care oh, about. Oh yes, I mean that's gonna be wonderful for the for their advertising. Right. And Academy yeah. Award winner. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know you're gonna... able to say that about Tron, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was slightly chuff, wasn't he? I mean I was expecting him to be sort of laconic about it, but uh you know, the thing went so he's pumping the air, really chuffed. Well done. Yeah. Yes. Wow. He's been slogging away in really good roles and under recognized, I think, so I oh. you know the Baker, is it the Baker, Baker Boys? Baker, fabulously Baker Boys, uh, but yeah, the dude, Owski, the dude, the dude He's himself. Still not seen that film. Yeah. What? That's yeah. sacrilege. <laughs> Luckily for you, the dude abides. I, I I haven't seen it either. What? Oh. Go out and see that today. What is wrong with you people? After one of the, the best Academy films Awards. ever made. After the Academy Awards, I'm convinced he wasn't really acting in the <laughs> Dick Lebowski. <laughs> he was just being himself. That may well that's be true, a... but that's cool with me. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, like being mad at Tom Baker for not really being an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, is that all, sir? Yes, that's all. Yes, okay. Moving swiftly on, Miss Mike, did you have news? Yes, I do. Oh, yes. Mr. Randall Thor has news. One uh, news story that I that I saw here was that apparently, according to The Sun and other tabloids, BBC, have apparently, BBC Worldwide have apparently signed a £10 million contract with Nintendo to develop a Doctor <sighs> Who game for the Wii and DS consoles. <laughs> uh, this, this game will focus on, on Matt Smith's Doctor, the 11th Doctor, and this game has apparently been in the works for a while. The BBC Insider reportedly said, quote, This has been in the pipeline for years. We're delight- delighted to finally have that nailed down a-, a deal. We went with Nintendo as they have a huge appeal for families, and Doctor Who is very much a family brand. The Wii console is key for us as it's something families play together. There's another uh, quote that I saw that, that was interesting. It was a quote from David Tennant talking about how the Doctor was being adapted as a video game character. And David Tennant said, quote, The video game was was quite actively developed, but it's difficult to know as the Doctor doesn't blow things up. He's not Batman who goes around smacking people in the head, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> and the, according to all of these reports, the game is supposed to be out this holiday season. Yay! Yay. And hopefully they'll bring <laughs> out a... Uh, uh, a glove for the Wii remote that makes it look like a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know they will. 
I'm excited yeah. about it coming on the DS because that's one of the consoles I actually own. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a Wii and a DS, so yay! Mm-hmm. Same here. I, I want to get a Wii maybe when I get home. Yeah. Talk <laughs> to Howley. Line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Howley needs one. <laughs> and, All right. Oh, yeah, one additional news story. It's a quick one here. It's that it has to do with uh, the DVD, the international DVD release for the Space Museum and the Chase. And it's a just a little small little detail. And that's that in the first episode of the Chase for international releases, the clip with the Beatles from the Top of the Pops show where they're performing Ticket to Ride, that clip has been removed from everywhere but the UK. Region 2 release. And they removed it because so many people were writing in wondering, are you going to keep that in? And so many people were writing in to to wonder about it that that they could not ignore that clip's presence. So they're removing it from the masters of all the international releases. You realize what this means. Now the lawyers have have crushed our favorite people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. See, I'm curious Pun- to see what, what effect that will actually have on the scene. I mean, are they just removing the cutaway where they actually view the Beatles, or are they removing the track as well, like they did with Paperback Writer from uh, um, oh, Evil of the Daleks? Because, um, I mean, that scene actually depends quite a bit upon talking about the Beatles. Yeah, there and, are and a few lines. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, so are they are they taking away all of that reaction too, or just the the clip? I I couldn't find anything about that. It's it, all that I found is that they're removing the the Beatles clip. I couldn't find anything about the dialogue because as you, there are a few lines from the characters referring directly to that. And, and not only that, but the lines are spoken at some points over the sound of "Ticket to Ride." So. Have they just lost the rights to the, the the music or the video? I mean, it's it's an interesting issue. I'll be interested to see what the difference is because I've already gotten the Region Two release sent to me, and yeah. you know, it's gorgeous to see that there. Because of course, one of the important things or little wrinkles about this is that that particular clip is the only thing that survives of that particular performance of uh, Ticket to Ride. So it's actually. A, a lost episode clip in the same way that we have some clips of Doctor Who that have appeared on Blue Peter or whatever and they're the only thing that exists from certain episodes of Doctor Who so it's it's kind of sad from a historical standpoint especially if you're a fan of the Beatles I mean I can see really 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 um, enthusiastic fans of the Beatles buying the chase only because it has that particular clip on it yeah uh, that's, that's distressing yeah. It is. <laughs> we'll have to get everyone to buy the Region 2 DVDs and have a special segment on how to unlock uh, the DVD players to make certain they're all Region 0. Yeah. Well, or that, or you can just play it on VLC, which opens anything. Yep. Yeah. Almost anything. Wow, well, yeah. Seems to hate my Region 1 DVDs these days. Hmm. All right, moving on. I've lost my place now. Who else had news and I've missed? <laughs> uh, I did. Tim! Yeah, um, hopefully this is news rather than merely a rumour, but earlier today I was trawling Gallifrey Base in hope of news, photographs, and anything really that's going on at the 
TimeQuest convention in the UK and I came across the following that was originally posted on a forum called Rhubarb and Custard it is currently closed to registration so somebody kindly reposted it on Gallifrey Base and it says the following uh, this is from someone that queued up for the Tom Baker signing at TimeQuest 2 by the looks of things it says Tom told me and a mate today, whilst at his signing at Time Quest 2, that he will be doing more BBC audio stories. He said with Liz Sladen and hopefully Nick Courtney, and has also said that he will be doing one for Big Finish with Louise Jameson. It was difficult to work out which of the old girls he was talking about in relation to which project, but he definitely said he had been persuaded to do one for Big Finish as well as the BBC. I'll put all of that in chat and we can make of it what we will really hopefully it's um, not just um, false hope I wonder hopefully. if this is consequent to the uh, interview he gave with uh, Doctor Who Online where Seb was really just more or less pressuring him to oh, I haven't got around uh, to hearing it yet go go oh, oh yeah there's a huge section in there where Seb just hammers him about why don't you go and check out Big Finish? Why don't you do? And at the end of it, he's like, he's like, well, I don't know. Maybe I should. I know they. Do you really think that they would want me after how I've treated them in the past? Well, yeah, I was and good. Seb, as I Seb said, was to, like, as I Seb said was to like, yeah. Seb on Twitter, I just hope he was polite about them because the only thing I read about him and Big Finish before was a few years back. They did write a couple of scripts specifically with his doctor in mind, and they sent them to him. And someone said, Tom, what did you do with those Big Finish scripts? And he said. Oh, I, I treated them with the treatment I should have treated them with, and basically he threw them in the bin. <laughs> I don't know if he even read them. No, he was in, in the interview. He's very he's he's polite, but he sort of uh, indicates that maybe there is some bad blood between them or whatever. But he's like, I, I don't know, should I do it? And then, and then you know, Seb keeps talking about it. Then eventually he gets to a point where he's like, well, maybe I will do that, but I'm really not sure if I can because I might be obligated to do stuff for. Uh, BBC audio still and new ones for them so who knows I mean he definitely if you listen to the interview and you really should it's a very very good interview it's uh, well, episode 173 um, it, it um, he, he certainly by the end of it he, he the way it seems is that it's just something that he hasn't considered for a long time and then at the end of it he kind of comes around and says well yeah maybe Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should get back in touch with them, or maybe they should get back in touch with me, or whatever. There's definitely this this sense at the end of the interview that, oh, this might be a possibility I go back to now. Oh, Never been clear to me what remotely they've done to offend him. Probably nothing. I mean, mm. you know, it, it's it's just you know, Tom being Tom, and <laughs> something striking him wrong on the day that is asked of him, or whatever. Um, but certainly, you know, now that he's I think I think what it really was because if you listen to the whole interview, it seems like he was afraid of audio, um, the whole concept of doing it, and then he had such a good time on um, the Hornet's Nest that, that he was like, well, you know, maybe I could do more of this. Um, he certainly doesn't seem hostile or antagonistic to Big Finish in the interview, but he he does seem a little bit, you know, apologetic or or, or Certainly, he realizes that maybe something has gone wrong in the past or something like that. Um, but it, it, definitely at the end of the interview, you think, 
wow, maybe he will go out now and he will contact Big Finish or will be amenable to their uh, contacting him or something. In fact, in fact, it's really weird because the interview also says, or, or Seb says, in talking about Doctor and the Scratchman, which was a, pro- a film project that he uh, and Ian Martyr worked on, but that went nowhere. He was like, uh, well, maybe what I should do for Big Finish is actually write some episodes of Doctor Who and star in them. And Seb was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I guess maybe uh, if, you should, if, you, if you think that they would be interested in it. And Seb was like, I think they'd be interested in it. Of course they'd be interested in it. Well, they'd love the that. company that's done audio adaptations of the stage plays, so if he could rewrite Scratchman as an audio play, they might be onto a winner. Well, but the thing is, he doesn't even have the script anymore, apparently. He doesn't well, know what happened. It certainly still exists, though. Doctor yeah, Who somewhere. magazine did a whole article about it. Sure, but he doesn't know where it is, so he, he's a little bit out of the loop. But, you know, another interesting thing from that interview, and, and it's interesting because you mentioned Nicholas Courtney, is that basically Seb asked him, well, if you could do uh, an audio with anybody, who would you do an audio with? And immediately he said Nicholas Courtney. Not any of the girls or, or whatever. He's like, yeah, really, who I want to do it with is Nicholas Courtney. And I guess that might be an allusion to the fact that Hornet's Nest was supposed to have been Nicholas Courtney. Mm-hmm. And his uh, mini stroke or whatever prevented that. Right. So, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. His wish. Hopefully, hopefully, but um, it doesn't look good. I mean, he was supposed to be over here last week for uh, a Hurricane Who event, but under doctor's orders, he is not to travel. Um, and certain interviews that were given at, at, at Gallifrey uh, allude to the fact that he's not a well man. Really? Maybe it was I, a I heard invasion. He's scheduled hmm. for invasion in May. Hmm. That's a, I, oh. Weird, because I had heard that he had recovered from that fully. Oh. Maybe it's right. down with something different since then. Yeah. Maybe he has a different problem to the problem he had he was ill before. Right, because uh, I do know that uh, oh, um, God, I'm just l- lousy on Nick, this. Well, Nick Riggs on Radio 2 Scarlet said that, that he was yes. uh, in the best Nick shape. Briggs. Yeah, that was, uh, but that was what I was trying to hit on. Uh, Nick Briggs on Radio Free Scarlet. Did it seem to sound quite uh, sad about the whole thing? So, um, and but hopeful that he would still be around for a while to come. But it just, just made it birthday. sound. It, it, it made it sound very kind of. Uh, uh, like he wasn't doing too great. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I don't know whether it's true or not, but I know a couple of people that did uh, that did not go to the Hurricane Who event because uh, they did a guest switch out. Um, it was supposed to be uh, Nick Courtney, and then they added in uh, Russell Hoovey from uh, Being Human and also um, Doctor Who. Uh, and then... Uh, Nick Courtney had to drop out because of health issues, and uh, then it just, yeah, it just became a being human and, and uh, Doctor Who guest, and so some people decided to opt out. Which nothing against Russell, but uh, I just think it's fabulous that uh, Nick Courtney's more important. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that's lovely that people are like, oh, Nick's not going to be there. Never mind then. <laughs> but anyway. Moving on with... We're still in news, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we're still going. We're still here. This is turning into an episode of Podshock. I know. <laughs> Howley has news. 
I do, yes. <clears throat> Aside from shouting at the cat. And a dead <laughs> soup. Yes, and the soup. Um, I'm not sure how recent it was this was made, but I found out about it in the week on the radio, is that there's, I think it's a man, I could be wrong, I've not really checked, has made a documentary about Delia Derbyshire. And um, at the moment, I think it's meant to be screening somewhere near me in Birmingham, it's called the Flatpack Festival. But it's on their website, but not on the festival's website, so... Right. What's actually going on there, I'm not entirely sure. But for anyone who's interested in going to have a look, it's online at thedelianmode.com. And I think it's essentially just sort of a, a documentary about her work and the things she does, you know, including work for the Radiophonic Workshop and Doctor Who and such like. Um, hang on a minute. I could read the, about the film section. <clears throat> and if you wouldn't mind putting the link into the chat, that'd be awfully yep. good of you. I'll do that. Uh, it says... The Delian Mode is a short, experimental documentary revolving around the life and work of electronic music pioneer Delia Derbyshire, best known for her groundbreaking sound treatment of Doctor Who theme music, a collage of sound and image created in the spirit of Derbyshire's unique approach to audio creation and manipulation. This film illuminates such soundscapes on screen while paying tribute to a woman whose work has influenced electronic music musicians for decades. The film features interviews with Brian Hodgson and Dick Mills of the now-defunct BBC Radiophonic Workshop, the founder of electronic music studios Peter Zinoviev, musicians Peter Kenmore of Sonic Boom, Adrian Utley from Portishead and Anne Shelton at N2X, as well as other friends and colleagues of Delia. And there's other featuring that I'm going to go on forever if I read all those out as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. So yeah, if you if you wouldn't mind putting that link in, and uh, yeah, so people can check it out. It says down the side you can buy it by sending an email to them. So I'll put that link into the chat as well. Okay, thank you very much. All right, I think that about wraps it up for news, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, uh, yeah there's just a couple of things I want to mention that are not completely news, and just a, a slight reminder for Howley if if you're on that using that n- call number, make sure you're on less than an hour and then redial in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that reminds me to anybody who is listening to this show later uh, and you want to come and join us live, the Torture ID is 54821. We go out at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which for us in the UK has just changed from 7 p.m. GMT to 6 p.m. GMT. Uh, I don't know how many weeks we've got of that. I'm sure somebody will be able to put that in the chat. Uh, you can call uh, on the States on the number... Seven two four 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 seven four four four. If you're a UK person with free evening calls, there is a number that I can make available so that you can call in via that. Um, so that, that's that information. I'd just also like to give another shout out. First of all, a thank you to Romana too, who gave us uh, quite a bit of her time to come on a special um, studio show that we did, um, and that was Romana Two's Galley Adventure. Uh, where she reported back uh, for the Cultum Collective. And I hope those people that are mm-hmm. new to our show do check that out. Thank you very much, Samantha. It was really good, that one, wasn't it, Ian? Yes, it was. And uh, then... good? Yes. Good. Yes. And following on... you done well. you done well. <laughs> and following on from that, okay. Ian, did, Ian and I did um, another of our commentary shows, and that is um, wedding, Weddings, Wine and Roses, and mm-hmm. that was on Father's Day. So you need to have your 
legally purchase DVD at the ready when you listen to that one. So please, and it helps to have a bottle of wine as well because we did. <laughs> and and since you we've been amazed how good this show started in the first five minutes, um, we have also um, added um, our, given a link to uh, Loving Doctor Who, our episode 21, that hopefully will be going on a DVD. We'll be playing a little promotion for the event of that between our two sections of our show later. Okay. My um, item that's... One, one thing I did overlook yeah. is that um, before we switch over into our main topic is that uh, Rowan did have something she wanted to plug. So when you're done, if you would... Yeah. Right. Well, I'll go to you in a minute, Rowan. Just, um, as I say, this is almost like news because it's... Um, uh, Jonathan Ross had uh, a guest on. Is that... Um, oh, I forgot his name now. Is that uh, Corpulent Comic? The Fat Comic. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also he has an announcement about... Uh, Jonathan Ross for next week. So I'll just play this. It's a minute and a half long. Is that right? You've been filming? Um, the, uh, uh, an episode of Doctor Who. The new Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. The new Doctor Who. Yeah. With young Matt, uh, who is the new Doctor Who. He's taken up from David Turner. I'll tell you. Big shoes to fill. He's incredible. Honestly, I, he's brilliant. I, I can't, I'll tell you, I'm really enjoying it. And I think people are going to really love him. You a goodie or bad Um, uh, I, I, I'm a goodie, yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I'm looking Are at you good from this planet or from another planet? I don't know what I'm allowed to say or not because we're they're really funny about it. Okay. So listen, uh, Matt, we have Matt Smith, the new Doctor Who. He's here on the show next week, ladies and gentlemen. very nervous. He's very nervous. I love Doctor Who. I'm really looking. I told him that. I said, I said you're lovely. Uh, and I went one of the new episodes of Wedding. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've got my words here. Yeah, yeah. That's my words for tomorrow. Ah! No, you can't. You can't read it out, though. No one knew the Doctor was a lady. <laughs> educated guest on who says that line I've been inside your head the guy can but I won't say um, nope. but uh, that was great and of course uh, he's got uh, Matt Smith as his guest next Friday right because this was next this Friday, clip was from yes this yeah. clip was from this week's Jonathan Ross that was just on Friday and as Benjamin says in the chat uh, this week's Jonathan Ross the one we just played the clip from will be on uh, next Friday and, of course, the Matt Smith one will be on the following Friday. So we are a week out on, uh, on Jonathan Ross on, the BBC, on BBC America. Right. Yeah, and we want sorry, Romana, in case you're going to go over to iPlay, you've already missed the late night repeat. It was last, last night, the late night repeat of it. We're we'll going to get on okay. iTunes, of course. Uh, sorry, yeah. on iPlayer. Yeah, that's... Yep, right. and we're going to... <laughs> and we're going to round for, for one other piece before the main show. Yep, a quick plug. Hi, yes, this is a little quick little uh, blurb here about uh, the uh, Doctor Who role-playing game, a new one that's out, just came out in December. Um, one of the, I'm involved in two or 
two of the brand new uh, Doc, uh, Doctor Who role playing game text adventures on email. Um, unfortunately, they're closed group, so and uh, we're already booked up on people who could actually join in on the clubs, but on the uh, uh, games. But um, I just wanted to say that it, it has been a real pleasure to be a part of it. And um, it really is like actually being on the show when you do the text and doing the, uh, the writing for it. And uh, being being done on the fly as it is, is totally a lot of fun. And I have to uh, thank Cubicle 7 for actually putting out the game and allowing us the opportunity to have these adventures. Do you have a link that you can put in the chat for people to check out? check it out? Um, well, uh, I don't have one offhand, but, um, you could probably go to Cubicle 7's website, and that, they'll give you, like, all different groups that you can join up for the game. Uh, there must be others besides ones I'm in on Yahoo, um, that you can join. Also, you know, people are getting together locally, and, um, I'm trying to set up with my new fan club a way to, uh, get gamers together around. Oh, quick question, uh, Rowan. What which dice system is is that based around? Is it D six or is, yeah, the, 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 the numbers? On, uh, there are six sided dice that give you okay, in D6. the box uh, about eight six sided dice. Okay. And usually it's, it's two of those for each person who's playing and who gets the roll. Usually two dice six for each thing you do with the game, and then you can also add different uh, dice rolls by using what they call character points. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating game. I mean, it's a lot better than the FASA one that was out in the 80s, uh, which was so complicated you needed to be a rocket scientist to be able to run it. But uh, <laughs> this is a lot simpler, and it's, it's, it's more genuine on how it's run. It's, like, not so interruptive. Um, yeah. It's in the play-by-email version, which is basically being run basically post-to-post, almost like telling a story, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, the fact that we're starting up... Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, um, let's move on. I'll pass the uh, <laughs> torch back over to you, Dave, and uh, let rip with um, our main topics. Yes, well, we're um, going to be... Going to the main topic... Boys, I'm just going to bow out now because I have not seen me, but I don't want to be spoiled. So, um, okay. see you next week, everybody. Bye, Romana. <laughs> Thank you, Romana. Cheers. Goodbye, Bye. Goodbye. And that is a, an, app, an app reminder Bye. for me to... Cheers. Uh, an app reminder for me to mention to all people who are listening to this later, and obviously the people in the room, that... Uh, these will be spoilers in terms of both shows. We're going to talk about Survivors Series 2 first. Um, I'll just give you a, a little brief thing about uh, the premise of the show. Then I'm going to play a, a very short recap of Series 1. Because although we're talking about it, we're, we're mainly focusing on the second series. So hopefully you either uh, have seen it or you don't mind being spoiled I'll save the rest of the show for later. Good heavens, you've already had 44 minutes of goodness, so yes. you can keep the rest. What do you okay. want? <laughs> we can quit now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the series is not uh, a remake of the BBC television series The Survivors that aired from 1975 to 77 that was created by Terry Nation, but supposedly more loosely based on the novel by the same name that Terry Nation wrote after the first series. 
Two series have so far been produced. Uh, series 1 ran on BBC One and HT uh, from December 2008, well, November and December 2008, and Series 2 ran uh, from January to February 2010, ending with a cliffhanger. So here's the clip of the recap of Series 1. of the world's population. That way life has gone now. Mobile phones, computers, the electricity that powers them. All gone for good. Everything we ever knew has been ripped away from us. Our old life is dead. Now we have to build a new one. So few have left. Every new person feels like a gift. Three, two, one. We've located every ground. And that one freak of nature will be the key to our vaccine. Okay, and now, sorry if that's rather loud, uh, since the latest uh, update to V-Emotion, the actual audio volume controls on when you're playing clips doesn't seem to uh, have uh, much effect. I don't know whether that's a minor bug that's crept in, but um, let me just uh, give you a little bit more, of course. Episode 1 uh, just goes with um, the European flu virus spreads throughout the world. Governments then realise the scale of the problem. After a few days of the virus spreading, people fall ill, including Abby Grant, Jenny Collins, and a friend Patricia. Patricia, sorry. And, um, and 90, as you heard in that clip, 90% of the world population um, are suffering. Abby, of course, is the key person in as much as there are people that are immune to the illness, but she is the one that has actually had the illness and survived. And therefore, uh, finding her was one of the big projects of Series 1 because she was basically um, what you might call um, the best hope of a vaccine. So I don't know how to necessarily bring everybody in. We've got a, a number of people on phone, but not too many, I think, that I have to uh, get people to come in specific order. Uh, anybody want to take up um, the reins of the show straight off and tell us what you thought about this second series of survivors. Any volunteers before I actually name names and shame? Uh, the easiest thing to say, Dave, is I thought it was better than series one. Good, good, good. What about the uh, the the character the character development? Because of, of course we've had a a, a pretty core cast of uh, uh, people, the the same people uh, that were in series one. Uh, returned, played very uh, brilliantly by the cast, particularly Max Beasley. I think his character is uh, absolutely brilliant, playing. Uh, and I forgot his name now. Um, Tom. Uh, I think his character and Abby's are absolutely marvellous. So that's all you want to say at this moment, Tim, is it? 
Yeah, and they did bring in some new characters, and that kind of expanded the world a bit, and I thought that was a very positive move. Right. And, of course, we have um, at least one uh, person from Doctor Who appearing in this series. Uh, that is um, Loomis, John Loomis. Uh, and the actor's name, somebody hopefully will... Roger Lloyd Pack. Thank you very much. I always get that the wrong way around. It's a little bit like Gareth David Lloyd. I always get it the wrong way around. So um, he, he comes into it and plays a rather sinister character. Okay, what I'll do to give people a little bit of... Um, to get their feet uh, on this, I'm going to jump to a clip that's actually from uh, episode two, uh, and it will give us just a little bit more meat to talk about. To get the best results, we should reinfect her. Okay, um, so um, one of the things that happens, of course, is that because um, the the young boy that's what part of the group, um, and I'm, I'm losing my pieces of paper. For those people listening later, we have had a time change in the states, which has left us in the UK rather bewildered because we suddenly found we were doing this, the show an hour <laughs> prior to our expected time. But the it's like young, a mini jet lag, isn't it, Dave? It is indeed, uh, because I did have some notes, and they are deep, deep down below these other things. So um, let's ask Mike if he wants to come in. Mike, is this one of the series that you caught? Are you mainly here for the Being Human one? Yeah, uh, just sort of a production thing that I noticed here with with Survivors that was interesting was the fact they shot this they shot the whole series on 35 millimeter film, and the reason they did that instead of going with high-definition cameras, was this is a world where there, there's no electricity. There's, there's this, this, and it's uh, sort of in autumn, I think it is. So they chose 35 millimeter because that captures less ambient light, lighting. So I thought that was a neat production choice. And it really reflected the, the whole tone and feel of the show. Oh, well, so you just, set me off there, because that <laughs> probably explains why the HD picture quality is pants. Yep, it's, it was shot on 35mm film. Okay, Tim, you were coming back there. Was I? <laughs> oh, I thought I heard <laughs> didn't somebody say else's anything. voice. I thought somebody else's voice jumped in there. No, oh, I heard someone's phone or something. Okay. All right, anybody else want to jump straight to the top of the queue? Because otherwise, uh, I'm going to play another clip. Right, I'll play another clip. Here we go from episode three. Tom Price has been arrested and goes on trial tomorrow. Guilty. This court sentences him to seven years. You're not going to ask about the conditions you'll be kept in? No. Let him go! When I said put it down, I meant drop it. Take them both. Step on! Where are they? This is a coal mine. Work hard, survive. Can't do this. Yes, we can. Yeah, and just as you think that you know that things can't get any worse, uh, the two of the men actually captured for this uh, Baron, the uh, the 
Pat character, the John Lumick character, who uh, appears to befriend them near the beginning, um, actually is uh, trading in humans that he finds, and he sells them to this mine owner to work, obviously unpaid, in a sort of a chain gang uh, uh, in this coal mine. Luckily, um, that one of them manages, and that's the uh, the one that's played by Patterson Joseph. Um, he manages to uh, convince the owner that he is a little bit of a, um, how should we say, um, a, an engineer of sorts. That's the Greg Preston uh, character, and he ingratiates him somewhat uh, with this chap. At the very same time, Abby and the girls are trying to. Um, get back and recapture uh, um, those people and to do that they have to actually find um, uh, the uh, the truck driver again and I'm going to play another clip someone's coming it's really It's you lot. He says on the road back there. Yeah. Well, to me, I'm behind the wheel. But we need your help. Come indoors then. Meet my old lady. Good thing about the virus. Bar's always open. No breathalyzers either. You fancy a real cup of tea? That would be me. <laughs> Just let me find the old girl. Sally? Where's the dog cow gone? Sally? Where you been? Oh, sorry, Billy. Yeah, well, never mind that. We've got company. You need to handle this lot carefully. They caused the ruckus up at Willis's place, and Smithson's got their mates down the mine, so keep them happy, all right? Where are you staying, Bill? No, because I spotted some kids on the road this morning. I don't want to let them slip away. Now, John and the lads will be over for lunch any minute. They can take it from there. Well, what if they don't want to stay? We'll just keep them talking. You know the form. Smile, love. Might never happen. Okay, and I'm going to go back to Ian at this point because um, yeah. I'm struggling to get people in on comments here, Ian. Right. Um, well, rather than just this this episode, the the only thing that bugs me about Survivors is it's not long enough. Um, some of these storylines could have been dragged out a little longer, I think. Um, for example, this one, it's just, you know, two episodes wasn't long enough for them to be imprisoned in the mine. That said, I do love the show, and um, it, it, it amazes me, actually, that they managed to find enough deserted areas or managed to film early enough in the morning where they can make these places look desolate and and uninhabited. Um, yeah, of course, the only, it was only six, we should say, there were only actually six episodes, so uh, it right. fairly zooms along in terms of they've no sooner got themselves out of one scrape than the, than something else happens, somebody's kidnapped or whatever. Right. Um, well, but, I mean, I mean uh, sorry, go ahead, Dar. Just speaking to that point, I would say that that's a vast improvement upon the original uh, Survivors uh, season two, because season two and the three of the 70s version just plodded along, plodded along. Right. Uh, series one was okay, but after that, the, the entire program took a turn for the worse and just became 
mired down in the minutia of uh, living in this world, and, and at least this series, by being brief, kind of avoids that. Right. Uh, yeah, and I, I just I, think I, there's some good situations that that they get themselves into that could do with being explored a little more. True. Rather than this, Dave says, you know, they they find themselves in the situation, and then, you know, the next episode, they 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 get out of it. Like the the end of last series, uh, Abby gets caught, uh, and then she's out in in what one episode? Yeah, cliffhanger. <laughs> the cliffhanger from series one is <laughs> as easily dispatched as a cliffhanger from Doctor Who, which is right. probably not what you want to do with a, a a series cliffhanger. But on the other hand, you know. It, it's kind of necessary if you've only got six episodes. You kind of have to do something to make it go fast, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. I well, mean, I just wish they had had twelve to work with, and then because especially with the amount of characters they've got, and yeah. you know, they can explore it as a character piece. You know. Well, I mean, we're not talking about uh, being human yet, but I think even that was only eight episodes. But uh, certainly, this could have done with a couple more. But I mean, mm. I'm a great fan of uh, tripods. But, the, I mean, one could argue that they diddled and daddled around this French farm, uh, you know, for a couple of episodes that could have easily been chopped down. So, I think um, the farm was even in the day. I think that was added for the TV show. Right, right. It certainly, uh, they certainly dawdled on that. But certainly, um, the, the cast development was great. I mean, uh, um, th- there was quite a, 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 a change around, really, because... Uh, uh, the the young Najid boy seemed to have quite a, a pivotal role, even if it was only to get them in trouble a couple of times. Uh, right. But he was the one that insisted that they wouldn't abandon Abby. Um, the young girl Sarah, who who seemed to have uh, basically been a hanger-on character, she was uh, had to sacrifice her own um, dignity, as it were, to get them some excavating equipment when two of them were trapped. Uh, and that reminds me, by the way, there was one slightly cheap uh, play, I think, they played, when the two of them were chapped, when Zoe and um, the... Uh, who was it? It was... Um, who was the other guy that was un- trapped under the rubble? Um, there Say, is... Uh, sorry? I'm trying to think who it was. The Al. 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 It was Al, yeah. And uh, it looked as though he'd died. Mm. But it, it they'd actually just had him faint or whatever. Right, because he uh, did not like uh, to be in confined spaces. And so he had a great deal of trouble and, and passed out. But, you know, of course, you were led, led to believe that he died. Uh, but, yeah... It, the, the 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 one character that does intrigue me throughout this whole thing is uh, the ter- character of Tom Price, played by Max Beasley. Uh, Brilliant. He's he puts a lot of them to shame, if you ask me, uh, because he's a, a lot more complex than most of them. Uh, Abby and Greg have their positions, and and they're very easy, to, I think, to play to. Uh, and it's not even until this series that we find anything out about Greg's character and where he's come from and and what he's lost and why he's lost it. We don't actually find out until uh, the opening episode where he, uh, 
at the end of series one, he had been shot uh, while trying to prevent them from uh, capturing Abby. And uh, so through a series of uh, flashbacks while he's in such such pain that uh, he relives some of the, the parts of his life and you get to this insight on him. But again, it's one of those things that's like, oh, well, we didn't really think of this until <laughs> uh, series two. But then again, and, you you, you got to look at it from the point of view of they didn't know whether they were going to get picked up for a second series. So uh, some things have to be left until they know they have the time. Yeah, and of course one of the things about the, the Verse series was a bit of a cheat was when they, they had some major characters or people who appeared to be going to be major characters dropped off fairly quickly. But um, here they've kept with a, a, a very strong nucleus of characters. The the interdependency, the way that they, uh, they look after one another really uh, gathers strength from that. And of course we also ha- uh, have uh, some really standout parts by... Uh, the other characters, um, particularly the ones, uh, the the black lady who says she's still the representative of the the government, and the, quite a chilling character uh, she is. Oh, and, yes. and then of course um, we have the return of Abby's young son, which um, gets yet another twist in the story. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have more clips? I have one more clip from episode six, but let's play it now because we're struggling somewhat. Floundering. Wait here. Safer for me. Don't hurt me, please. Please. What happened here? The virus. When you came, you infected your Whitaker. Well, how'd you know it was me? They didn't catch it from the birds. The virus has already mutated. People are dying who were immune before. Peter was brought here a few weeks ago. I did the test myself. You're right. He's like you. He's tortured him! He's fine. I tested his blood, that's all. When the virus infected the lab, Whitaker told us that he wanted to see the outside world one last time. He took Peter with him. Why aren't you dead? I'm immune. I didn't know. I, I thought I was going to die. I was so scared. Where's that kid? Tom. I haven't seen him for weeks. Let her go. I'll eat all of She's right. We need a vaccine. Okay, and I yeah, mean, the, that, that was where... That reminded me of a few things, so... <laughs> Good. Uh, wow. In, in, in the opening, of course, we, we, you know, we see all the testing that they do on uh, on Abby and the, the, the conditions that, are, that she's under and that others are under. Uh, at one point, she's... Uh, trying to escape and she discovers uh, that they're holding all of these people and they're testing them and they're just being kept in small little almost like closets uh, and that you know the treatment of these people that you know they're just using them as basically guinea pigs 
And of course, as the whole thing plays out, major spoiler, you find out, and I don't think it's any secret, is that uh, this is something that this company uh, who runs this lab created and it got out of control and, and mutated and it's continuing to mutate uh, as we find out a little later in the in the in the series where uh, one of our survivors uh, basically bites the bullet um, uh, I guess what the character name Sarah yes yeah Sarah. Um, Al's girlfriend the one who uh, she and those two get together basically because of her experience in trying to get the machinery to to free Al and um, and uh, Anya um, after the hospital collapse uh, she basically uses her body to, to, to pay for it and because of that um, Al comes to her rescue in a way uh, emotionally uh, which was a, a, a nice little um, nice little part normally when you know you've got things like that that somebody will burst in and stop it and shoot the guy in the head and drag her off and that would be the rescue but he provides more of an emotional rescue for her and uh, a shoulder to to cry on and of course this makes the whole uh, latter part of the series uh, bittersweet because in visiting a uh, community that has started up where they farm what they need to survive and they all depend on each other uh, she goes up to the, the, the farm to uh, check on the chickens and the eggs and stuff uh, she finds out that the farm owners up there have uh, contracted the virus uh, after having survived the first bout uh, and the chickens were the first ones to get it so they make the observation that it's being passed on through birds now and that we don't know if anyone will be safe again in the second round. Yes, and of course oh. those two characters are the, were the least committed to the group at the beginning, certainly in series right. one, and uh, they both actually come through. But we'll ha mm. someone else was coming in then, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say while well, I've been sitting here, I was thinking that there is a key um, similarity between both season two of Survivors and season two of Being Human, and that's that they both feature scientists as well. The baddie characters, really. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the woman you were referring to earlier, uh, Dave, uh, Samantha yeah. Willis, uh, played by uh, Nikki Amuka Bird, She's, I, I think she's wonderful. She's wonderfully just horrid um, for somebody who got thrust into a position of authority. She's just going hell for leather with it, and and she's delightfully twisted. Uh, as one of the clips you heard earlier, uh, they do capture Tom Price and put him on trial for murder. Uh, and then she offers him uh, the ability to, to escape if he will uh, uh, get rid of um, Dexter was it? Dexter, yes, who is another deliciously evil character <laughs> uh, and, 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 and the lovely thing about Tom's character is that you don't want him to kill Dexter even though Dexter is an utter utter evil swine 
um, who you would love to see wiped off the face of the earth. You don't want Tom to, to stoop to that level. And unfortunately, uh, he does. And it's quite sad in a way. But but Tom is making progress, which is a, a good thing. Uh, later on, they uh, after they escape the, the coal mine, they uh, an injured uh, guy that they take along with them uh, is not going to survive. And Tom, being the only one who can, uh, helps him find a moment of peace, and then basically helps him along his way, on his way. Because that's Tom's the only one who could do that, and and it came off rather than being quite a uh, a disgusting thing to have, you know basically put somebody out of their misery like that. It became quite a sweet thing for Tom to do to use his unique talents to do something like that. Yeah, it didn't uh, pull its punches this show. I mean, no, it was quite no. uh, quite gritty in parts like that. And, yeah. um, of course, he also has that uh, friendship with the, the young Doctor. And, of course, Anya. From, seri- Anya, from Series 1, we know that Anya was in a relationship with uh, uh, another woman and uh, right. really has only been drawn to him partly to start with from protection and then uh, mutual... Uh, understanding really not really agreeing but agreeing almost to, to differ because you know he he thinks that they need people like him to survive i mean at one point um earlier in there was the, a rift wasn't there between max and um the patterson joseph character greg right uh about uh who, who belongs we also um find out about uh they learn a little bit more about there was an evacuation as well um, by this company, the the company that were doing the tests uh, on uh, them was actually the, the city centre one, but the main owners of that have flown away to some island, Isle of Wight or wherever it was. Right. And um, the thing is, it seems as though it might well have been their manufactured virus that was the responsible agent. They're, they're not right. just looking for a cure, but they are also the people that that caused the situation in the first place. Right. So it was an awful lot. I don't know whether you want to go right to how you remember it ending up because we actually go to this airfield where they're trying to do a swap because when they find they can't get Abby, they find that her son has the same blood and same chemistry. And so um, the chap who used to run this thing buys his way out of the country uh, by taking this boy to the aeroplane. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, that results in a bit of a shootout. Do we want to just go right to the end on that, Ian? Or do you want to just leave a little bit? Well, uh, there, there's, uh, yeah, actually, um, we can skip to the end. But there's one thing I wanted to bring up, and it kind of ties in with the ending, is the the interplay and and the relationship between uh, Al and Najid, which continues to evolve. That uh, that if if anyone remembers from season one, that Al was a very self-serving kind of yuppie type character who slept around and drank and and was independently wealthy and had no care for anybody other than himself has basically been latched onto by uh, this young boy Najid and the relationship between the two of them I think is quite lovely and and the the grounding influence that Najid has over Al is is really good and that is brought up when uh, Tom Price uh, shows Najid uh, how to shoot a gun um, because he believes that he's going to need it for protection. 
And at the very end there, uh, Al is in trouble and, and the Jedis has a gun and in the end can't shoot. And there's almost a sense of pride from, from Al that he didn't, even though his life was in danger. Uh, but yes, while all this is going on, the exchange is, is happening, and uh, of course the usual uh, halt, don't move, I've got a gun on you, and then somebody else shows up and says, no, we've got a gun on you, uh, back and forth, and uh, finally they do manage to get uh, uh, Abby and her son reunited. And, and Max gets shot. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Max Beasley, Tom, uh, who plays Tom Price, uh, and gets shot. And, yeah, uh, Tom gets shot. Yeah. Yes, and uh, actually, he'd been shot earlier by Abby's son um, while they were uh, while he was trying to uh, stop them from taking him, and he was trying to convince them that his mum was still alive, and the scientist guy kept telling him, oh, no, he's lying to you. <laughs> uh, but yes, as 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 the the series comes to a close, all of our survivors are crowded around as the airplane takes off and then the final realization hits them. Where's Tom? Well, he'll be... He, he, was, he was right ahead of us. And of course, then cut to the airplane where they're all sitting comfortably in their seats and they go back to the holding area which was supposed to be for uh, for Abby's son uh, to keep them quarantined. Um, we find Tom sitting back there nursing his wounds. Yeah, and after a slow start we really got into it a little bit then. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, sorry about that. It, uh, a slight lack of <laughs> preparation with the hour change on my behalf, so I apologise for that. But uh, I would certainly want to communicate to people listening later that um, it really is a riveting uh, series. It's only six episodes. There's an awful lot packed into it. We haven't heard from many people here because one or two have uh, not seen it, so they've they've uh, bowed out during the course of this session. But uh, Darth, we haven't heard a great deal about from you about this. Any comments you want to make before we possibly um, have our segue before part two? Um, not really. Uh, just a few little random comments about the series in general. I mean, it's it's a bit churlish for them to say, for instance, that it's a um, remake of the Terry Nation novel instead of the Terry Nation TV series. I mean, that, that, that <laughs> there's not so much different there that makes any odds whatsoever um, especially since they've gone well off the text of the novel anyway uh, at, at the end of the day it, it it is a remake of the TV series as much as it's a remake of the novel um, if you have been introduced to the franchise via the, the original series um, you will probably find this a lot of things in here which are very familiar, and indeed that may be one of the things that makes it, at least for me, a little bit hard to really be enthusiastic about it, because um, once you've seen this concept in any setting, it's kind of hard to care about it, really. Um, at, at the end of the day, this is like also Day of the Triffids, um, and, and it's 
there, there are only so many ways that you can skin the cat of what happens to human beings once their modern conveniences are stripped away from them. Um, it, it's it's mildly diverting. I, I'm not nearly as enthusiastic about this as, as YouTube apparently are. Um, it's it's an okay show. And in, maybe if this were my first introduction to the concept, I might think, oh, well, this is really, really good. Um, certainly, I can I can see that from a dramatic standpoint, at least Series 2 is better than Series 2 of the original. Not really saying all that much, though. Um, but is Series 1 really better than the original Series 1? Eh, I don't know. Um, that There's just something a little bit um, more real to me about, about the original Series 1 than this one. I don't know why. It's just it's probably just because that's the one that I saw first. Right. Um, yeah. There's there's some interesting things here if you're from a sort of behind the scenes perspective. If you're interested in uh, crossover stuff, I guess. I mean, the principal writer of this modern series is Adrian Hodges, who, um, of course, is really the driving force behind Primeval. Also, the driving force really behind the um, Sally Lockwood. Is it Sally Lockwood? Yeah. Sally Lockwood Mysteries, ones that star um, Billy Piper and Matt Smith. Um, so just on, on that basis, you know, there's there's some interesting tie-ins. Also, I guess we should point out that the first series of, uh, the first episode of Series 1 Contains what Freema Adjaman and and Sean Dingwall from Doctor Who in it, but they mm -hmm. are quickly killed off. Um, so you know, I mean, the, there are there are some connections here to other science fiction shows that you might be interested in that, that might lead you to this production. And I certainly, you know, if you've never really encountered post-apocalyptic fiction, this isn't a bad place to start. Um, it's just not hugely. It, I don't know exactly what it, it doesn't offer dramatic situations that are that different from Day of the Triffids or, or the original Survivors or uh, I don't know what else is out there that's supposed to pop I can't even say it um, that's in this there you go that's in this genre um, but uh, really it's 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 interesting but it is not for me at least um, that enthralling. I mean, this is certainly not for me a series that as soon as it came out, I was like, oh, I'm going to go download it. It's it's something more like, uh, well, um, when I've gotten to the end of everything else that uh, I wanted to watch, then I'm going to watch this. You know, right. it's, it's okay. I mean, I'm, I've always been a big fan of the, the post-apocalyptic scene there. I almost tripped on Sorry, that. I cursed you. <laughs> yes. Um, I've always been a big fan of those. Uh, from I mean, I'm a big fan of the um, the Life After Humans series on the Discovery Channel. I, I just oh, find yeah. that fascinating. Uh, but for this one, I just I, I guess I'm just a big fan of the character dynamic in it more than the uh, the fact that they're the only ones there. It's it's just the, these people thrown together that they keep sticking together just because and uh, and the interplay between them all, I, I, I just think it's. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm the. I was the opposite. It's like uh, 
this this and and being human were the things that kind of kept me going through the last like month or two. Uh, and now that it's now I've got to wait for more. Yeah, it's 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 weird because uh, I mean what I guess okay when I was first in, uh, encountered this franchise, uh, I gobbled it down. I mean, the first episode of the original Survivors is scary as hell. Um, which I guess if this is, you know, that's probably true to some people of the first episode of this version, too, if you've never encountered Survivors or something like this before. Right. But it's really hard for me to divorce, um, to like this version of Abby, for instance. Uh, she just, the, the original Abby is just better. This one's a little too sweet sometimes. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. I mean, the original Abby, you don't quite know what she's prepared to do. She's right. very dangerous, you know? This one, yeah, you know. She's all right. It's, mm. I don't want to disparage her, but she's just different actors in the same sort of role uh, right. do different things with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big uh, fan of the original, too. I have not seen it in a long time. Um mm. have not found it recently to review it, which I would like to do. Um, but that's that's where I started on this, Day of the Triffids and the original Survivors is where I kind of started with my love of this. What would happen if, um, right. you know, 90% of the population got just taken out, you know. Um, I just find that kind of set up fascinating as, as to what we would do and how we would act. And I find that most of them are probably pretty much on the money, even though we don't know what would happen. I think, I think we all get a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think as well, like Tim said, he might would come back in on this. Um, the, series two was quite a lot better than series one, I thought, and uh, and you got that. Um, that group relationship going where you actually cared about this little band you wanted them to survive against the other people that they came up against whether they were helpful unhelpful or downright deceitful um, mm. it was this little troop that you were rooting for and perhaps I certainly felt have... like I was rooting for them a bit more this time Dave yeah yeah, yeah. and the, 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 the other good thing about the, the setup on the characters is that uh, where you've got someone like Tom Price who can and will do anything and everything to save his own skin and those he deems you know fit. Uh, then you have people like Abby uh, and Al who are on the other side that that they get pushed to these points where they do something that they've never done before and have to kind of uh, go out on a limb. The 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 whole uh, death of Sarah was was just lovely to sit through and watch. Right. As Al won't leave the garden, um, it's just. And part of me didn't actually believe that they'd kill her off, uh, and expected when Abby was up there pouring petrol all over them that she was going to be. Oh, hang on, I survived. I, you know, like Abby did. Uh, and so, yeah, it was. It was just. And of course, Najid bringing him food and and you know keeping him company. It was just. There are some things in the show that are just well worth watching it for, not even necessarily for the the situation that they're in, but just the the interplay between all the characters that I I just enjoy. And in summing up, I would say that the, the one thing I was quite pleased about 
with that last uh, episode is the fact that um, I thought, oh, good, there's going to be a series three. Uh, I didn't think, oh, blimey, they're dragging it out. Mm. They're trying to flog a dead horse. I was quite pleased. I, I've got a feeling that perhaps a third series might be the last, uh, and that might run its course at that point. But remember, there are only six episodes in this. I mean, uh, it's far from being uh, overburdened with uh, too many things, because you, you can have these things that run so long that everybody's been kidnapped three times, everybody's been wounded three times, everybody's... You know, yeah. uh, and, and, you, and everybody's got off with everybody else, and you think, oh, well, you, what, what's happening? wondering here? how long it would take before you got to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm about done with this. I'm sorry about the slightly bumbling start on my behalf at the beginning, but as I said, um, I did get slightly, uh, my preparation was under because of the, the one hour change. So, does anybody else want to make a final comment before we, perhaps if Ian was willing to play that little promo we're going to do before the second half any last thoughts from anybody on Survivors other than go and watch it if you haven't seen it yeah well I I would just add to the point that you just made there Dave say that it's not at all confirmed that there's going to be a series 3 it's just that series 2 ends on a cliffhanger right and they've left it open looking at the ratings I don't know the ratings have certainly slid during series 2 Really low. I mean, they're they're only at about three million, um, so that it's a, it's a noticeable drop off from not only series one but also like the start of series two. So, right, it's right. it's certainly not a done deal that there's going to be a series three. Didn't help that there was about two years between series one and two. True. Was a rather long wait. All right. Well, I think with that, we will move on. Um, So get yourselves uh, comfortable before we uh, get into our next topic, which is the TV show uh, Being Human. But before we go into that, we have a little promo to present. Hello there, this is Tony Gellish on behalf of the Doctor Who Podcaster Alliance, an alliance of Who podcasts held together simply by people being terribly nice to each other, quite frankly. The end of March, 27th of March, at Waterston's... Is it Lakeside and Thurrock, or is it Thurrock and Lakeside? One or the other. I think it's Lakeside and Thurrock. Um, are holding a signing with the Colin Baker, uh, Anique Wills, and um, I think it's Paul Stone from the Shooty Dog Thing fanzine, which we've mentioned in the past. Uh, the Shooty Dog Thing's now got a book out, which we've been encouraging you to go and buy, and they're holding a signing there. And the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance will be there. And we're going to be recording a podcast live there and then. Um, sat around a table looking quite sad, really. There'll be myself. There will be Professor Dave with no last name. And also um, our chief scientist, Adam Purcell, over at staggeringstories.net. Um, there might be more people as well. Uh, 
apart from recording it between the three of us, we're going to be coming into the audio with the audience, the um, the queue. We're going to be talking to people, getting their views and their opinions on various things. So come along. Um, I think to get something signed, you've got to buy Colin's book, but it's quite a good book anyway. It's it's a collection of his writings for the Bucks Free Press, and yeah, it, it could be a good fun. Well, a few hours, basically. So if you can make it, please do come up and say hello. Um, and, uh, well, yes, the podcast itself will be available to any of the members of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. It's practically every Doctor Who podcast. And if they want to run it, they're more than welcome to. The Doctor Who Podcaster Alliance, the alliance that likes a nice cup of... No, hang on. Um, we pod so you don't have... No. Uh, guys, we really need to come up this slogan. <laughs> And there you have it. Um, also, what uh, Tony forgot to mention is that during this event, they will actually be handing out free of charge to anybody who comes up to the Doctor Who Podcasting Alliance table a DVD packed with audio samples of the podcasts that make up <laughs> the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance, including us. Episode 21, actually. Uh, will be going on to the DVD, which has recently been remastered uh, exclusively for the DVD. (laughs) And we may well be posting it up as an encore episode uh, after the event, might we? Yeah, just so you know all the rude things that we slipped in about everybody. Oh, sorry, did I say... I shouldn't have said that out loud. (laughs) So, yes, uh, do come along to that if you are in the neighbourhood or plan on being in the neighborhood and of course uh, encourage anybody else <laughs> howly uh, <laughs> encourage anybody else to uh, go along and uh, as he said the Colin Baker will be there so pick up his book and get it signed because I can't because he won't be there oh but he will be at Hurricane Hope so anyway onwards <laughs> now it's time <coughs> to be human so we all have to leave the room. Uh, yeah, I guess it's my turn now, isn't it, Dave? We've rambled well, yeah, just, just, just to remind people again, it, it's going to be spoiler talking about this. So if you haven't seen it, again, you've had an hour and 30 minutes of goodness. You can save the next part until you've seen the show. Yeah. Were you just pouring a glass of wine? Me? No. Yes. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had, oh, 50, right. I had 50 glasses yesterday, so I'm just waiting a little bit for this evening. <laughs> Do you have a, 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 a clip to intro being human, sir? Yes, uh, it's not a recap of uh, uh, season one or series one. Uh, this is uh, a preview of episode one of the second series. It was three. We came from the darkness. I'm so glad. It was too stormy. Are you okay now? Can I just state for the record? You're fine. <laughs> 
got to say, in the flesh, very disappointing. <laughs> Come on. Walk in. Come on. Come on, Fido. Show me what you've got. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that was, the, um, that was the two vampire ones, uh, one that Ian's particularly uh, enjoyed, and that is Ivan and Daisy, who uh, who come into the series in part two. Right. There's somebody that they want you to unmute, uh, unmute in chat who just came in, Dave. Will do. Um, yep. Uh, so, as this series opens, we find that <laughs> our uh, wonderful three... Uh, are in a spot of bother, uh, as you may recall from the end of the last series. Uh, oh, hello. <laughs> uh, there was a bit of fracas down in the basement of the hospital, uh, in which... Uh, sorry, I'm I'm floundering. Uh, in which uh, Herrick uh, is eaten <laughs> by George. Uh and uh and uh, of course sorry <laughs> it's it's how we're distracting you yes it is it is she's terrible at uh. that i tell you you're easily distracted well you know things surprise me uh we we have to quote tony Galishan's um catchphrase i'm drifting oh, hello oh, there's my feet <laughs> <laughs> oh, his other one. But anyway, as I was, as I was saying, uh, Herrick's been taken out, so there is a void left behind in the vampire hierarchy, which Mitchell doesn't think is a problem. That they'll just, you know, everything will sort itself out. But he soon realizes that it won't. Um, the vampires are just kind of roaming around willy-nilly, just feeding off anybody that they so desire, um, and has to kind of slip into the void, uh, unfortunately, and try and sort them out. Uh, that's not helped out by uh, the arrival of uh, Ivan and Daisy, uh, but Ivan soon comes to kind of see the point, and uh, as Mitchell is trying to get everyone to go clean and to, to basically get back on the wagon and stop feeding. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in the end of uh, last series, uh, George uh, inadvertently uh, managed to scratch his girlfriend, Nina, love played by the very, very, very lovely Sinead Keenan. Uh, um, and now, of course, she is a, vamp- uh, is a, is a werewolf. She so is, yeah. that dynamic has been pushed uh, to the forefront where they have to kind of figure that out. Uh, and... Uh, George has a hard time dealing with that. Meanwhile, uh, Annie is uh, coming, still coming to grips with being a ghost and encountering other ghosts and uh, 
constantly being tried to be pulled back uh, into the doorway. So that's kind of set things up. Uh, my well, comments we on also, this. Sorry, Ian, we also have that. Uh, this is the first time they start to show uh, flashbacks, don't they, to, uh, uh, during the, the course of three or four episodes of uh, Mitchell, um, uh, things that happened to him earlier, which right. only become apparent um, in the relationship to the, um, the religious uh, gentleman that uh, is pursuing them. And the two, the two storylines don't get clarified until pretty far on with it. Right. I'm trying to remember the name of the, the vicar type chap. Yes. Kemp. Uh, Kemp. Kemp. Mystic Thank you. Yep, yeah, Mr. and Because yeah, there's a history that there that we didn't know that was part of his um, his reason for tracking down these people and trying to uh, 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 rid the world of them. Right. There's There's a little less comedy in, in in, in this season, um, the I mean, there's still those lovely little moments of the three of them sitting around the flat discussing these just outlandish topics of, of you know, um, the boys like to just sit there and watch their TV while you know, Annie's like, well, you guys need to talk to each other, and um, and so some nice interplay there, but and of course. Uh, George trying to find another girlfriend. Uh, but anyway, um, we'll step aside because David and I talked at length on Survivors, and I know a lot of you have come back in here to discuss being human. Mm -hmm. What about Howley, then? Do you want to come in? You've got good audio today. You want to yes. Um, I just don't know if it's a tell. I can't talk now. Um, I don't really know what we're saying, or are we just sort of wittering about it generally? Okay, well, I'll see what I'll, uh, we'll, I'll play another clip simply just to get us more in the mood. This is um, a preview of episode three. I haven't got one for every episode, so we'll jump to this. George? I've been thinking. I want to help Keith get over I'm me. With the right show. I was listening to that. No, no more radios. Not after what happened. They aren't safe. Annie! Poor chap's in the bathroom. I'm going to get back together with Kirsty. Because he's obviously still got feelings for her. Whoa! No, you, you, you can't go interfering with people's lives like that. It's not interfering. It's more like regime change. Oh, because that's not gone wrong. And you are going to help me. Oh, God, do I have to? You're essential. Another rejected man left crushed, broken and humiliated by the woman he loves. You're the only one who can truly understand what he's going through. Hmm. Well, I'm glad my misery is proving useful. Yeah, I, I do find I watch this in spite of uh, uh, the Mr. Toovey character. I'm sorry, I... I I don't know what it is about the way he speaks, but uh, he seems to play that very same character in everything he does. Wet. Although, yeah, I mean, he is a good actor. There are some scenes which he really, you know, uh, he plays the the thing right. But it's just that uh, way he over enunciates the words and does this uh, weepy voice person that uh, finds I find it difficult to find him attractive. Where Annie and uh, Mitchell, I think, are superb characters. Hmm. Howley? Yes, hello. There's a good deal of snorting going on during that. 
Well, I think we'll move well, over to Tim because um, Tim is well known for um, leaving our podcast midstream uh, to go and watch Being Human. Yes. Well, like you say, um, I, I think the in phrase for this is it's darker than season one. And I think it surprised me how dark it was because um, when the um, season one DVD came out, um, I came up with this new expression for box sets in that I mainlined it. I'd watch an episode, then I went, then I'd go, God, this is so good, I must watch another one tonight. <laughs> like, only a few minutes later, I'd be watching episode two, having just watched episode one, and I'd go, hmm, well, I've got through two now, I'll save the rest for tomorrow, or whatever. And I must have got through the series one Blu-ray in about a week or something, it was really quick. And series two, it, it's been, I, I think it took me a bit longer to get into this time, because it was definitely way more of a drama. There was, there were the, still the occasional gag in it but it was more about uh expanding their world this time because we had these two uh new vampires come in who um i don't know if this is available outside the uk but there was a little mini it was only about five minute long prequel with these two characters who come in from i think it was either singapore or it was somewhere in the far east anyway they were living and there's a little prequel scene with them on the the official website and then they 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 bring them in and well basically all three of the characters have their worlds expanded because we have new vampires are brought in uh, we have the 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 ongoing plot of um George's girlfriend being a werewolf and uh, these uh at first, when they first appear, you think they're just scientists, and then they turn out to be this kind of anti-pretty-much-everything-our-heroes-stand-for-religious anti, 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 anti cult mm. in league with scientists. And just, just I think probably my, some of my favourite moments this year came from Annie, because they'd expanded her world. And... Um, uh, she starts meeting other ghosts, and uh, uh, an actor, this was a Twitter conversation, me and Howley had a few weeks back, one of the actors that shows up as another ghost, uh, I think it was Adam from Torchwood, I've forgotten entirely the actor's name, mm -hmm. but we were both watching it going, who is this guy, his face is familiar, and I was diving onto the internet trying to look him up and cross-reference the name, but yeah, yeah, there's some great expansions of their world, and uh, one of the gags that I do remember, though, um, they used uh, in one of the short trailers for the episodes, and that's that um, George is waking up one morning, and uh, Annie's made him what he thinks is a cup of tea, and he reaches for it and starts drinking from the mug and suddenly spits it out, and she looks at him and goes, I'm sorry, it's hot water. We've run out of tea. Because anyone who's seen Series 1 will know that Annie, although she can't eat or drink anymore, she just has this, like, OCD obsession with constantly making cups of tea, even if she's just doing it all day. Oh, and, and, and this series introduced her um, um, buying biscuits and, and dunking them in the tea. <laughs> so, so at the end of the, the cup of tea, it'd just be this soggy mess. <laughs> she can't eat the biscuits either, but she just likes to dunk them. Mm. <laughs> 
But yeah. all the three lives go uh, certainly darker in this. But uh, the, the humour is there in the parts. This, uh, I'll play a little clip here. This is um, slightly um, adult humour in um, when uh, a cage is required. <laughs> About four feet across and lockable, obviously. What kind of animals is it for? Um, different types. Well, I need to know for the gaps and the bars, you see. Oh, of course. Let's say a very big dog. About the size of a man. What? It's okay, relax. We get a lot of business from the S&M community. Not a problem. <laughs> I've even dabbled a bit myself. Oh, oh, a cage for sex. Oh, it's, a, it's embarrassing. I was obviously embarrassed to say that I wanted a sex cage. But um, now that that's out in the open, that's, that's wonderful. Now, where are they? What's this? Oh, last job I did. Uh, they sent me these. Kind of a thank you. I'll throw them in. No charge. Oh, that would be lovely. <laughs> And I'm not sure, Ian, was it before this, that scene, that he has the uh, the panic at oh. the school? Or is it after? No, it was, uh, the, the panic at the school came later. Um, it's kind of like, you're panicked today, wasn't it, sir? Uh, <laughs> it certainly was. I should interrupt with a phrase that, that came up recently on a, an episode of Radio Free Scarrow, and the slash riders go crazy. <laughs> 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 but no, that no. was a lovely little scene because it would be so easy for it to be very, very awkward, and instead it gets turned back around, and it's like, oh, yeah, we do stuff for the S and M community all the time. Yeah, that's not a problem. Do so you want a sex cage? Oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah, I want a sex. <laughs> it was rather well done. I, 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 I was yeah. I enjoyed that little, that little bit. Mm, that was good. But, I but, think I but, spent all night talking to someone about that. It just ended up in a very weird circular conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, as, as Dave alluded to uh, later on in the series, uh, due to uh, daylight savings time, uh, the clocks get shifted, and George, of course, <laughs> is due to change that night, and he is not aware of the time change, which I thought was a bit of a plot hole. If Why? I wasn't tonight. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. True. You had a show to run. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> God, this is falling apart rapidly. Anyway, uh, George uh, is in a new relationship with uh, a young lady who has a daughter and really wants uh, George to become involved in, in the family uh and wants him to come to the the parent teacher night at school, and so he's like, "Well, yeah, that's fine," and knowing that he's not due to change for like another hour. But then realizes that the time the clocks have been changed, and he starts mm-hmm. changing at the school, which was actually uh, put me on the edge of my seat because it's the first time we've really kind of put George in that position. I mean, prior to that, the only time anyone's really been around. Uh, aside from that comical scene in the in the in the first season where he's running around the forest trying to find somewhere to 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 change for the <laughs> night, there's all sorts of people making out and doing all sorts of kinky stuff in the forest. Uh, 
but this, but this time there's there's a real sense of jeopardy where he's in at first he's in the school and then he's running through the streets trying to get back uh to the flat uh and of course he does make it in time and Annie helps him up into into the room and and gets him locked up in his cage uh but it's it is one of those things that makes you wonder. It's like, well, is he going to do full-on change right then and there? And the camera work on it is interesting, too, because they don't follow it from an up-high view where you can see him dashing down the street. It's all done from um, either his point of view or looking directly at his face as he's changing. Hello, uh, Van. Have a nice time. Sorry, what? 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 <laughs> Let somebody get out of the cage, then. Yes, we let Helly out of the cage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that uh, that whole interplay there was, was just really nice. That that scene, you just got a real sense of, of kind of jeopardy there. Uh, of course, at the meantime, well, sorry, go ahead, Tim. I, I was going to say, in the it is a very important part of season two, really, because it's all about George um, repressing the wolf in him. And there's this great scene in one episode where he set up a, a, a webcam on his laptop to point at the cage, having locked himself in it one night. And, it, and he's showing the, the, the recording back to Annie the next day, and he's, look at it, isn't it amazing? And the wolf's just lying there, asleep. Mm. And he's going, I've, I've conquered it. And he, he really thinks he's conquered it. And so, so he, he, he starts making changes in his life, and he tries to make his life move on. And instead of having this, like, quiet tucked away job as a hospital porter he gets a applies for a job at a, a language school and 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 then he starts developing a sort of um anger wolf. management problem i think is the best way to put it when kind of it's kind like of, it's, yeah, the wolf, yeah the wolf sort yeah. of manifests <laughs> its, it, itself within him without him actually turning into the wolf it's just this weird anger management thing where he's got this like group this room full of um asylum seekers or foreigners at very least who are all learning English as a foreign language and he starts off with some of the more standard things and then he suddenly starts swearing at them and them not having heard any English swear words start going oh can you do us a lesson about swear words which <laughs> <laughs> gets him in serious nobody, hot nobody. water with his boss <laughs> right but of course then the boss gets in serious hot water when he keeps because uh the the young lady that uh, George is pursuing actually works at the school, uh, but the uh, headmaster, as it were, uh, also fancies his secretary and is trying to push him away and get him in trouble. And, and he finally corners him in the bathroom and uh, the wolf lets loose on him and pummels the living bejesus out of him and basically <laughs> says... You come near me again, I'll finish the job. Um, He's, he sort of changes in every way, but physically in that scene. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it is actually nice because, as I said to Dave uh, a couple of times after uh, episodes, uh, George finally gets some balls in this season. Yep. Mm. Let me uh, play a couple of clips. Uh, I'll play two back-to-back if I may, because they're both <laughs> from episode six. One's a preview, and then one's a very nice scene, because one of the things that does develop as well with Annie's character, when, as you say, she leaves the house, she helps this uh, psychic character. But 
I'll play the two back to... Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll play the first one, see if you want to comment on it, and then we'll go to the other. So this is a preview of episode uh, uh, six. It's a struggle. I can't lie. It's always going to be a struggle that I can do this. How? I'll leave them. They'll follow you. I'll, I'll tell them I'll finish with them. I'll tell all of them. When? What? When will you tell them? I'll call a meeting tomorrow night at the funeral parlour. Perhaps not to talk about that because one of the other things is that um, he, he calls this meeting and the idea is he's going to persuade them to all, you know, come off the. Uh, well, he's already persuaded them to come off the. Right. This the, is the where he thing. was telling them that he was going to stand down and Ivan was going to take his place as right. the leader. But Ivan yeah. has been pretending to not eat with food. But they, the two of them have had a separate agreement in the background, haven't they? That mm -hmm. he will declare himself not taking blood. But on the side, he actually is doing, right. and uh, he doesn't really like the idea of having to step forward and take over. Right. Um, and again, the, the, the also you the voices you heard in there is that uh, what happens during the scene is they get all gather together, uh, but uh, Lucy and uh, Kemp have planted a bomb within the uh, their headquarters, which is uh, uh, a funeral director's. And uh, they blow them all up. Mm. That made me cry. This episode. Yeah. Well, because of exploded vampires. Yeah. Well, that and the whole kind of thing with Annie and her mum. I don't. I'm not sure. It just sort of got to me, and I spent most of the last kind of ten, fifteen minutes of the episode crying <laughs> hysterically for, and for unable. For to some go. reason, it it made me fall asleep. <laughs> the only episode oh. I missed the end of. <laughs> I had to tweet right. someone the next yeah. day and go. How did that finish? And they went, oh, they they blew up the the building with all the vampires in. And went, oh. <laughs> I did I did love the usher in the in the uh, movie theater. Right. Well, should I go on to that bit now then? Yes. Is there someone in particular you're hoping to get a message from, Carmen? Um. Well, um, I suppose I. Oh God, this is insane. Take uh, your time. All right. Yes. My daughter. Don't tell me. Your daughter's name is... <laughs> it's me. She's here for me. That's my mum. Your daughter's name was... Annie. Is there something you'd like to... ask Annie? I just... Well, I mean, I don't even know what I want to hear. I don't know what would help. I mean, losing a child is, um, it's a unique kind of pain. It's 
pain is spectacular. But you know what? If you told me that you could take that pain away, I'm, I'm not sure that I want you to because it's, it's all I've got left. I, I want to feel that pain and I deserve to feel that pain because I should have known. She was my little girl and I should have known that she was in danger. I should have known that she was scared because I'm her mama. And I really should have known yeah, hankies all around. I kind of feel, yeah. I kind of feel bad for having. I kind of feel bad for having played it now, Holly. I'm sorry. No, uh, it's all right. I'm okay. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm not as sad as it was with the last episode. I think I spent the, the last ten minutes of the last episode crying, and then about twenty minutes after, where I couldn't calm down because <laughs> I'm that soppy. <laughs> And that character, by the way, that played the psychic, I thought he was excellent. He was right on tune because oh, yeah. he was supposedly <laughs> a bit of a deadbeat, but he had had the gift in the past. And mm. it, yeah. it was a good episode, this one, for mixing both drama and comedy, mm, because probably you suddenly realise how many ghosts there are in um, Bristol. <laughs> they, <laughs> they suddenly all get gathered in this one room in this... Um, theatre and there's like this whole queuing system going on and messages having to be passed on to this um well he, well he's somebody who was born with the psychic gift and then he he loses it doesn't he right yeah and so i <laughs> i just love how um Annie comes over all official and she's got a headset and everything. Yeah, and then the usher's like, you know that thing Why that's worked? Why have you got that? It's not even yeah. connected. It's not even connected. <laughs> I, thought the usher, the, I thought the usher, she was, I thought she was fabulous. <laughs> yeah. It's the bloke in the black suit who died in a car crash. Which they never did explain. No. <laughs> well, well, it, well, it was a, it was one of the good gags. It was the they they'd followed through on this rule they've brought in that everyone is stuck in the clothes they die in. So there's yeah. one guy that died while diving, and so he's stuck in his diving suit for the rest of his <laughs> existence. <laughs> yeah, so he went, oh, he must have died diving, and then he went, oh, he was killed in a car crash. And she looks at him and goes, me, died in a car crash, but it wasn't explained why he was in a wetsuit and slippers. To have died well, it's funnier here. that way. It's yeah. <laughs> leave, leaving it out the open like that. <laughs> Let's face it; we don't know where he was driving. <laughs> no, <laughs> or if he was driving. Um, mm. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Mine's better. See now, now you're feeling better. See. <laughs> see, we should have done this show last week. Yeah. It would have been nine fifteen. We'd have passed the UK watershed by then. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But again, uh, I can't remember which uh, episode it was in, but there was again, there was a, another... Fr- I mean, it was really quite... The horrific parts were quite horrific. There's the part where um, oh. they leave one of the... Um, one of the vampires breaks the rule about uh, not feeding, and they take her down into these caves. Right. And he rips the teeth out, so she oh, can't feed. Yeah. Put the, put the, the stone them. in her, her mouth and, and, and knocks them out. Yeah. Mm. That's Mitchell doing that. Mm. Yeah. Well, he had to to establish order yeah. and establish his place because otherwise they wouldn't take him seriously. If, if any of oh, the characters have changed the most, it is Mitchell. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. He's gone really dark in season two because he 
he, I mean, he kind of has to really because he sort of takes Herrick's place, and he has to be this kind of dark figure that the other vampires all respect. <laughs> right. Yeah. The one thing I have to say about his performance in this is is that when he goes off the rails, the, uh, I, I like the the change in his demeanor uh, as far as the acting goes. Um, mm. He just gives that impression of just being out there and how dangerous he could be as a vampire because you know when he's being normal and and hanging out with with Annie and George it's hard to think of him as as being a threat um but yeah. seeing how he reacts after the uh the bombing of the um funeral parlor it it just really shows how dangerous he possibly could be whereas the other two are just regular people and, and you know and George goes through a change which he isn't in control of Mitchell's the only one who's actually has the ability to control himself. Yeah, and when he confronts the um, the the mortician or whatever they call the uh, the pathologist, I mean he really mm. uh, shows his rage there. Now I've just got two more uh, clips left, uh, Ian. One for mm-hmm. episode seven, yeah. preview and eight. Go mm. on, yeah. Howley. Howley. What are you talking about? Hmm? I thought. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something yeah. before. I think that's you've got a delay on your phone what? there, I think. That was um underneath the ironing. Oh she's My trying to she... ironing, that's why I couldn't. Uh okay, uh let me just mute <laughs> that. We've got um <laughs> we're having a domestic domestic um I've got we've got two clips here, so um uh we're up the two uh, the two hour mark, so let me play the one to seven and let's see if that uh, generates any more conversation. Um Annie told me you've uh, you started seeing someone. She said you're living together. You told me to move on. I know I'm not. I, I think it's good. You must be very happy. What are you doing here? I came to see you. There. You see me. Okay, I appreciate your anger. Who's angry? I'm sorry, I'm I left. It's the best thing you ever did. I just needed some time. Yeah. I gathered that from the letter. Frankly, I'm surprised you didn't dump me by text. George, you turned me into a werewolf. Taking the moral high ground about anything feels kind of ridiculous. So that's why you're here. You weren't sure I felt guilty enough. <laughs> I've met some people. They might have a cure. For what? Cystitis. What do you think? And of course, uh, at this point, he feels as though, <laughs> and I'll just unmute Howley. Cystitis. <laughs> yeah. I said it was good. Oh. It was sort of very pretty to look at. Hello. Are you back with us, Howley? Howley. Right, I'm going to mute her again. Um, and she can put in text if she wants to be unmuted. So, um, I mean, it was really coming to some sort of a climax now because. Uh, at this point, um, you know, the, the the group's breaking up somewhat. I mean, Mitchell's right. pursuing his uh, thoughts and craziness and, and what have you. And then um, here we're finding that the, there's this possibility of a cure that uh, he really doesn't believe in, does he? he uh, no. But he feels as though perhaps he ought to um, give the girl the benefit of the doubt and try and in some way repay what he'd done. And right. in fact, I, th- I think the last clip uh, follows on from that. So let me play that. 
and then uh, we can perhaps uh, have our closing thoughts. So, looks like we found Mitchell's girlfriend. Yeah. Small world. Why do you think she didn't tell him that she had all this going on? Doesn't exactly fill you with confidence, does it? No. Oh, oh. this place is doing my head in. All the medical tests, religious talks. Do you know, I'm not even allowed protein. You kidding? No, no dairy or meat. Apparently they're worried it will strengthen the demon. <laughs> demon? <laughs> it's not funny. So then why are you here? Since I gave Nina, since <clears throat> since Nina got the curse, she's asked me for nothing except this. So it doesn't really matter what I believe. Oh, okay, uh, that's mm. the last clip I've actually got. Although there are actually some quite terrifying developments that happen right towards the end uh, in episode right. eight. Yeah, uh, one of the things that we learn once they uh, once they go in for the cure is that you find out that. Um, all the testing and everything that they're doing, that, they, that there doesn't really appear to be much legitimacy to, to anything that they've got, even though Lucy, I'm not sure if Lucy's even aware, um, but they're pre-ordering body bags at this point, uh, knowing basically that whatever they're going to do is going to end up killing them, but that's all right, because they you know, want to get rid of them anyway. And uh, so they're all, uh, um, Annie is there on the pretext of uh, of keeping George company, but what she's there um, to do is to be uh, exercised so she can leave because she just doesn't see any point to staying where she's at. George is looking for the cure, and, uh, and Mitchell's off with his vampire buddies, and so she feels a little left out, so she thinks, well, well without these guys, there's no point in hanging on, so I'll just leave. And so the exorcism takes place while Mitchell is skulking around the building, um, killing people left, right, and center. Uh, mm -hmm. And George and Nina are locked in a room where they find a message from Tully, uh, who, if you will remember from uh, the last series, was a, another uh, werewolf who uh, taught George the ropes, as it were. Uh, there's a little message in there saying... Or uh, everyone dies, uh, so they get themselves out, and uh, Mitchell confronts Lucy, uh, which I, I thought was one of the great little points uh, because she's going on about how evil and uh, how against you know how how um, they don't have any humanity and and, and how terrible they are, and uh, and he says you're the one killing people here. Uh, we're just trying to live our lives um, and trying not to be, you know, these creatures. And, and it's just, uh, it's remarkably done. It, it puts these people who are, you know, supposed to be, you know, utterly human and, and wonderful and and trying to sort things out so we don't know this evil are really the evil ones. Um, and th these these three just want to be left alone to to live their lives and trying should, not to harm people. Should we be mentioning this death's door thing that keeps cropping up a little bit more often now? So I was going to mention that, Dave. Yeah. Right. Well, go on then, Tim. Tim, take it away. Just, uh, this whole being exorcised thing for Annie is kind of a risk, really, because 
earlier on in the series, there's a wonderfully surreal episode. Well, certainly it doesn't start surreal. It, it starts off fairly ordinary, and then it just takes this surreal turn, and you realise that there's dark forces on the other side who really don't want... Terry Wogan. Terry Wogan, one of them's a rather unprofessional journalist on the local news. <laughs> and just all these yeah. things, it goes slightly... Um, Life on Mars yep. for a while is about the only way to put it. Oh, almost and jumps the shark for me at that point. But yeah. Really? Oh, well, I, know, I, I quite liked was... it. it. It threw me for a, for a couple of minutes. I thought, whoa, this is a bit different for being human. But then I kind of just thought, oh, I'll go with it. Because, I mean, they've done stuff really? like this in Life on Mars. It wasn't really entirely unique. That's but, true. Um, I, th- I thought, oh, really, this is quite fun. And then, as I say, it, it just sets everything up that... It, she she she's sort of pulled really because she she in sometimes she wants to stay there to be there particularly for George and other times when when an opportunity arises to to pass on and pass over to well the good side heaven or whatever the afterlife um the 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 when well, the opportunity does indeed arise at the end of the series but um but I don't know whether we should give away the end. And so they say in the first series, though, that it's not a good thing to pass over. There's always sort of talk about men with sticks, and she goes and tells them, what's his face, Owen, what it's like, and he goes mental and runs off screaming. Right. It sort um, of implies whatever's there is nasty. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind giving away the ending. I mean, we've been talking about the whole series. Um, yeah. And Horrible ending. And, and but just before d- that, double, end, sorry, doubly horrible, really, because it's just set everything up for series three. Oh no, it's the, a wonderful ending. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, I didn't. No, it's not bad. All, all four just, endings. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean the, the the point. I don't think you're up to the point now, but where the the religious chap, uh, what's it called again? Kemp. His name. Kemp. Kemp. Uh, when the, she asks, how's he going to open the door? And he's quite merciless in his in the way he dispatches uh, the chap who's been aiding him communicating with the dead. Right, there's a psychic guy that that, 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 yeah, that that Kemp has with him um, who can sense ghosts and spirits. Uh, and he actually spends a lot of time with Annie and they discuss things. And, uh, they're um, quite friendly by the end. Yeah, they are. Actually, there's a beautiful scene even earlier, earlier than that when they're in the cafeteria eating. And... Uh, um, George and Annie are having a conversation and Annie says something and, and the psychic guy says uh, Annie just said that she'd like it if you would uh, he goes I can't hear her you know <laughs> <laughs> how many times do I have to tell you oh. <laughs> it's, it's just wonderful it's like, and he's like oops sorry um, but yeah they get on really well and he begins to understand her uh, and talk to her about things, and you almost get to the point where she's kind of thinking, well, well, well do I really want to go? And then Kemp yeah. decides that he's going to ex- expedite everything, and um, she says, well, it's not going to work, because I need a door to cross over. Oh, Annie says, you need a door to cross over, and then Kemp grabs the stake and rams it through him. Oh, he just that was kills fun. him, just brutally, right there, and it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> he just did that. That episode was just nightmare fuel. 
Hmm. And, and I mean, it, it, again, it sets up that um, who's really evil here. And you find out that Kemp is really evil. And he's a little bit of a dirty old man, too, because he's got that that <laughs> that, 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 that uh, coffee mug and, 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 and her hairbrush in his drawer, which they never really <laughs> expanded on, which bothered me. I mean, they, they, they went far enough to show that... that he was a little obsessed with Lucy. But yeah, you think they might have cut something out there. Yeah, it was almost as if... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And the Slash Riders go crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's your little Kemp. Slash project for this year. <laughs> go off and write your own being human fan fiction. Kemp taking a hairbrush and a, and a coffee cup into the bathroom with him. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. But skipping back to the ending, um, yeah, because... It's it's basically set Kemp up as just this utterly ruthless um, bastard. Um, and, yeah, and he's not on high moral ground, is he? Before he no. seems to be on high moral ground, but it yeah. seems to be more revenge. Yeah, it is, and it's, it's solely this revenge, and he's using um, his religion as a... And he used to be a minister, but of course he's you know fallen from that, uh, obviously, because, you know, He's found it within him to, that he can he can outright murder people just to to, to meet the ends, um, and so the the final scene is set up. And as I said, there's like four endings because the the part of the uh, the facility comes to an end, and you think, okay, they've got away, everybody's fine now, they'll go back to the flat, um, but then you find they've they've gone out to the country, and then Lucy shows up. And you think, well, where's this going to go? They're going to offer, or or George is going to turn into a werewolf in the middle of the night and and, and, and eat her. Um, but no, then Kemp shows up and uh, runs her through. And uh, of course, the brilliant part of that is because somebody just died, a door opens, and and it just well played scene is that she just appears in this kind of shimmering light and 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 drags him back through the door and it's just lovely. You don't see Lucy go through her door though, do you? Yes. Yes. Uh, she, she, yeah, she's, uh, she got dragged by this through. One. It could have passed by quite easily. <laughs> yeah, um, after Kemp dispatched the psychic guy, uh, the door opened and she was actually just dragged straight in there. Oh, did you right. get did you get a sense in like we had said with survivors this could have done with a couple of more episodes did you feel it? i mean it was an awful lot episodes 6 7 and 8 were non-stop weren't they right no, well, I, I kind of i kind of liked it because um i think i think there was just enough in this just enough time i mean actually you could put survivors up to 8 um you know and that would have worked. I mean, I don't want survivors to have a full 24 like I do in the States. Oh, no. Um, or, or even just, tw- I mean, just a little bit more time to, to, to concentrate on things. Mm. Oh, no, you don't see Lucy go through, but... One. Right. You don't see Lucy go through, but... Um, well, that could end up being something, possibly. If you've not seen her go through, maybe this is the... Right, but the, the thing is... The next oh, yes, true. No wonder. She's a ghost and, you know, she's going to help get Annie back. Mm, true. Mm. Um, I would have loved for them somebody to. Have, why somebody didn't bite Lucy and turn her into a vampire and just go, <laughs> <laughs> or scratch her and turn her into a uh, into a werewolf and just go, now nah, you're evil. What you gonna do? 
Because it was a little bit like Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? As you were saying, it had about six endings. So, oh, yes. uh, are we up to the last ending yet? The in the snow one. Yes. Uh, yeah. The thing that I just absolutely loved because from the beginning I hated the fact that they put the onus on Mitchell to lead the vampires. It put him in a position where there was only really one one road to go, and that he would end up drinking again. Uh, is that. Uh, and I don't know really whether this was tacked on as an afterthought. Part of me thinks that the that uh, the creators of, of of being human realized a little too late that uh, Herrick was such a popular character uh, that they needed to bring him back. And mm. Herrick is back and I love Herrick I think he's the most <laughs> delicious delicious thing in, in being human because he's just, just a small weedy looking grease ball of a guy but oh, you just got to love <laughs> Herrick was, what was so good about there being so many flashbacks in this series is that we, he did show up again I think it was in the was it the one where the early 70s or something and they were oh, uh, in the flat in the house yeah. they wake up on the flat and it's and covered the, in blood end up yeah. in this building and they end up keeping this woman hostage and the police show up outside and there's this whole siege thing going on. Yeah. Well, I just love the whole bit where Herrick's like, well, um, you better get cleaning then. There's some fairy liquid under the... <laughs> <laughs> just the whole domesticity of, of that. Well, get cleaning. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, and Herrick's like, well, I'm going to go fetch the car. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's a good character. Yeah. Yes, he is. I love him. So I think we've uh, pretty much brought this uh, show to a, an end. I take it Darth hasn't yeah. wanted to contribute to this section. He's listened quietly. And uh, do you want to make any observations before we wrap up? Um, well, I'm really not a fan of being human that much. Uh, I, I gave it a. I've not seen series two and have no real plans to see series two and care so little about it that I don't mind being spoiled by Series 2. <laughs> um, I just, I cannot, for the life of me, get into the show. I don't know what it is. I mean, I I, I did give the, the first series a complete airing, and at the end of it said, what the hell is this? Uh, I just, mm. I don't know. It just is something that didn't particularly connect with me, which is not to say that I didn't appreciate certain elements of the writing. I mean, I, I came to this show... I remember being very, very excited about this show because um, you know, Toby Whithouse is um, a writer who obviously caught my attention by writing School Reunion, and I really liked his sense of dialogue in that particular series and or that particular episode. And I then started to sort of follow him and see where he was going. Now, I remember when this show was – it wasn't called Being Human. It was called something – it was called by the – something like – the zip code of the or, or the postal code of the place where the guys live it had a different name to begin with i remember thinking oh it's kind of a good concept a ghost a werewolf and a a, a vampire live together in ordinary yep. flat and thinking oh well that's uh, you know it's a great tagline it sells the show right and but wherever and then, did you read the the working title darth me and howley are effectively fans and even we don't know that oh i remember yeah. that I, I remember that very early um God, I can't remember. Was it on his blog? I, or I don't. It may not have been on his blog. I can't, I can't quite remember. 
but it was it was really soon after school reunion. I mean, so therefore, this is what four years ago, um, and it, it very quickly morphed into being human. I remember I remember that. I remember reading an article, not just there was there were two articles. There was one very early on, which sort of said what the working title was, and then there was another one later on where it said, "Okay, this is now changed into being human." Um, it could have been that greenlit site. I don't know. It, it, it was definitely a production site. It was not like it wasn't news. It wasn't you know BBC or it wasn't The Sun or anything like that. It was definitely a, a deep production site. Um, but I can't remember. But anyway, um, I, when I when I saw it, I just was like, I, I, I love I love some of the dialogue, but the overall situation just doesn't really do it for me, and I, I honestly don't know why. Um, should I, there's nothing I, I quite disagree with with Dave about um, Toby. Um, that that character works perfectly well. You have you have uh, with him being sort of wet because it's it's a you know it's Spider Man, isn't it? it? It's uh it's Clark Kent and Superman. It your your alter ego is completely different from what your superhero is. You know the the most dangerous beast. Should be the meekest guy in real life. No, I yeah, I suppose so. My irritation, well. my irritation is that he's played that character in everything I've seen him in. But yeah, well, quite, I mean, it probably suits this one more than his other parts. Don't you maybe, it, Dave? David even made a whole career out of playing one character. Wow, well, true. But I mean, you, you're you're quite you may be quite right in that, Dave. In that there is a sameness to the actor, but. You know, if you're looking at just the merits of this one show and closing your mind off to everything else, you kind of have yeah. to admit that it is actually appropriate. Um, and it, you know, it's certainly funny. There's certainly, you know, there's there's stuff here. It's just that it's not stuff that says to me, "Oh, okay, you've really got to go out and watch." Like, when did I watch Being Human for the first time? It was only it was this year. It was only right before the Olympics. Um, so it's just not something that interests me for some reason. I don't get it. I think series two was definitely an improvement on series one. I didn't watch series one the first time it aired, and I watched it. I caught it later. I think it was Ian that was saying how marvelous it was, and I think same with Jekyll. I didn't watch that when it first came out, and then really was thinking, well, why did why why didn't I do that? Because that was uh, totally marvelous. But um. I don't want to start. Yeah, and, that, and that's, an, that's an interesting that's an interesting comparison, actually, Jekyll to this because same deal basically. Although Jekyll, I guess, is two episodes shorter or whatever. Um, but um, you know, a limited run series. They're both about things that um, pre-existed, things that you know, sort of horror characters that are a part of the public consciousness beyond just the, the uh, you know particular works that they were involved in. Um, and yet, you know, Jekyll, from the beginning, that thing just grips you and holds you and will not let you go until the end. But this, I don't know, it doesn't do that. And yet, I appreciate it for really well-written dialogue. I think it's the plots, really. The plots don't, the overall narrative, you know, the, the whole war of the vampires thing, that just really, uh, who cares? I don't get it. Okay. Anybody else want to wrap up? Because uh, I think there are urgent needs within the room. 
<laughs> wow. Holly T needs a wee. What can we say? Quite badly. What's the conversation? That could be a whole other T-shirt. Go on, Rowan. Your volume's far too high. You clip it like that. Hang on, how do I do that? Just while you do that, Howley, come on, say your part while... Um... I don't know, I kind of I think I really enjoyed the second series, but I probably preferred the first one more because it didn't frighten me as much. The second one had me hiding under the covers and sort of squeaking quite a bit. Squeaking. <laughs> She's yeah. too cute, Listen, isn't she? The last episode, I was just curled up in the wall, going, "I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it," and watching through my hands. <laughs> 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 now there's a Doctor Who fan, if ever there was. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Hiding behind the cat. I mean, the couch. <laughs> Both. <laughs> and yes. I've had that reaction to Doctor Who. Going, I don't like it. Hiding in people in the room, going, "Well, stop watching." I want to know what happens, but I don't like it. <laughs> so, yeah. That's okay, my thoughts on it. Rowan, how is your volume now? Uh, try and talk a little lower. How's yeah. that? It's still clipping slightly. Is there anything you want to say about this episode? But if it's just testing your mic, we can do that after the recording. Basically, I'm not tweaking. <laughs> I do want to say I really enjoyed the show. Um, it's very interesting. Even though I haven't been able to see season two of either show, uh, just listening in has been a real experience. Good. Cool. Thank Good. you. Okay. All righty. Tim, any last comments? Um, well... If you haven't seen hu- being human, see it. But but be prepared if you've seen series one. Series two is way more of a drama and way less of a comedy. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely some good comedic moments in oh, it. Yes, definitely. Definitely, especially the yep. the bit with the the ghost baby. Ghost baby jokes rule. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, poor poor old Annie. She has to babysit the poor thing. A ghost baby. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I think we'll that, that about wraps it up for being human. Now we're all going to go saunter off and be something else. Uh, yeah, and, uh, oh. I think we ought to give any, our listeners who've got to the end of the show a gold star because we started yes. off rather shakily. Uh, this was due to the time change that uh, rather threw half our contingent off their uh, their basic plan point. Right, and me, uh, I don't have any excuse. I was just uh, floundering. <laughs> <laughs> Do a good impression of a flounder. <laughs> All right, nothing else remains but to uh, go around the room and say goodbye. So it's goodbye to Howley T. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Go wee, quick, quick. And it's a goodbye to Tim Jury. Oh, goodbye. I'm all being humaned up. I'm going to have to watch the pilot now, having acquired it recently. Yes, yes. I do wish they'd put that on the DVD. Yeah. Uh, and it's goodbye to Rowan. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye, folks. Bye. Bye. And goodbye to Darth Skeptical. Adios, people. And, of course, those under the cone, Mr. Randolph and Cybob. And it's goodbye from me. 
and it's good night from him. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Oh. Bye.